Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to tell you about the White Ship Disaster, a shipwreck that had enormous implications for the history of England, Normandy and Western Europe more broadly. In 1120, a ship called the White Ship sank off the coast of Normandy, drowning almost everyone aboard. There was only one single survivor, as we'll talk about. And amongst the dead were a great many Anglo-Norman nobles, but most notable of all those who died was a young man named William Adelin, who just so happened to be next in line to the English throne as the son of the English King Henry I. William Adelin's death would go on to prompt a succession crisis 15 years down the track, leading to a period of English history known as the Anarchy, a period that, of course, we only just got across in the most recent episode of Half-Life's History, episode 295, Get Across It. Anyway, the, the, the only reason the Anarchy came about in the first place was the White Ship disaster. So today we're going to get stuck in and find out what it was, how it happened, and of course, what its great many consequences were. And the story begins with King Henry I of England, who was the son of William the Conqueror and his wife, Matilda of Flanders, who we will refer to as Matilda No. 1. We're, uh, we're going to keep score today when it comes to Matildas. Uh, you might be wondering why. Well, you will see in due course, don't you worry. Anyway, after seizing control of the Kingdom of England in the year 1100, Henry married a Scottish princess named Matilda, Matilda number 2, and uh, the two of them got on with the business of providing their kingdom with an heir. In 1102, along came a daughter, Matilda, yes, number three, known to history as Empress Matilda. This is the Matilda that's so prominently featured in last week's episode. But then in the year 1103, along came a son, William Adelin, named after his conquering grandpa, and there was much rejoicing, as the birth of a son shored up the succession a lot more firmly than Matilda's birth did, due to the prevailing attitudes of the day. Now, Matilda was uh, considered by many at the time to lack three important features that were thought of as a desirable or even essential uh, in a monarch. She was missing a willy, a testicle, and a second testicle to keep the first one company. And for this reason, once William came along in full possession of uh, all three of these attributes, one presumes, uh, he would be the one to inherit the throne upon Henry's death. And so the kingdom's succession plans were in place. No worries at all. But there's a reason for the saying an heir and a spare because William didn't end up taking the English throne. And because the spare ended up being Matilda, England was subjected to 15 years of devastating civil war, as we heard all about last week. In any case, young William, he grew up. He was named the Duke of Normandy sort of, uh, by his old man. Um, And after the death of his mum, Matilda number two, he acted as his old man's regent um, when uh, when Henry was away from the royal court. In 1119, William got married. He married a woman named Matilda. Yes, of course, Matilda number four, Matilda of Anjou. And then the next year, 
he made a trip across the English Channel with his dad Henry for what would be the very last time. Henry and William headed over to Normandy for a couple of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, the need to pay homage to the King of France, who was still the liege lord of Normandy, despite it being in the possession of the King of England. Very complicated situation. We're not going to get into it. But Henry, he wasn't so hot on the idea of bending the knee to another king, as he's obviously a king himself. And so he had... He he had granted the title of the Duke of Normandy to his son William, kind of. It's it's really complicated, but that more or less captures it. And so instead, William could now bend the knee uh, to the French king and uh, save his dad any indignity. The, you know, the, the, the humiliation of one king paying homage to another. And uh, while William was off bowing and scraping in front of King Louis VI, the, uh, the Henry also had a job or two of his own to take care of while he was in Normandy. He had to get these bloody... Norman barons back into line. At this point, they're all fully committed to the age-old pastime of the uh, of the European medieval baron, making life as difficult as possible for their lord. And so Henry, he, uh, he bought off who he could. He gave an absolute hiding to the rest of them. And uh, with the baronial situation more or less resolved, and with William having uh, duly paid homage uh, to the French king, father and son once again got ready to head back over to England. Uh, And as he made preparations for the return journey, a ship's captain named Thomas Fitzstephen approached King Henry and asked if Henry would do him the honour of sailing back across the channel aboard his ship. Fitzstephen presented his vessel, the White Ship, a magnificent, modern, newly outfitted ship, a beautiful thing to look at, uh, as quick as anything, as the stories went. And further, Fitzstephen's father, Stephen, obviously, that's what Fitz means. It comes from the uh, the French word for son, fee. Uh, anyway, yes, his dad writes, uh, Stephen Fitz Erard, he had actually been the captain who had sailed William the Conqueror, Henry's dad, across the Channel in 1066. Episode 76, get across that. So Fitz Stephen is coming to Henry and saying, how about I sail you back home just like my dad did your dad? Very pleasing bit of historical symmetry there. But unfortunately, well... Actually, no, very fortunately for Henry, as it turned out, he uh, had to decline as he already had his travel arrangements made. But he had an alternative that he presented to Fitzstephen. Uh, Perhaps his son and heir William might want to sail the channel as his grandfather had. Fitzstephen uh, made his offer of transportation then to William, who was more than happy to accept, whizzing over to England on an elegant, speedy ship. His entourage in tow sounded like a great time. Because William hadn't been the only person that Henry had brought over. The king had brought an enormous retinue of nobles, all of whom were quite happy to get aboard this vessel and sail home in style. And so it turned into quite a party. William William Adeline, he ordered a huge amount of wine for the people who'd be setting sail on the white ship. And uh, the idea of getting on this, you know, party cruise across to England was so popular that in the end, there are around 300 people aboard as the white ship set sail. 50 of these were crew members, sailors and oarsmen and the like. And of the other 250, there were some who were servants and stewards and soldiers, but a huge number were noble and aristocratic guests. There were knights, there were counts, there were viscounts, archdeacons, judges, earls, and even two of Henry's many illegitimate children, a son named Richard of Lincoln and a daughter named, you're not going to believe this because, check this out, right? Not only does Henry have a daughter named Matilda already, not only is that also the name of his wife and his mother and his daughter-in-law, he also named his illegitimate daughter Matilda as well. Matilda number five. Anyway, all these people from Henry's retinue, they load themselves onto the ship, already well and truly stuck into the wine and ready to have a great time sailing north. Uh, Well, 
almost all the people in Henry's retinue. There was one bloke who decided to disembark from the ship uh, before it left due to, of all things, a particularly nasty bout of diarrhoea. Uh, This bloke decided he wasn't able to continue to party like a champion and would prefer to stay on dry land while he recovered. And as the white ship would go on to sink and kill almost everyone aboard it, it is fair to say that there is not a single person in history who had a luckier case of the squirts. And as will be clear in due course, not just because it saved his life by getting him off the ship, but uh, we'll uh, we'll come to that. But for now, bugger him. Uh, He's missing out on a a once-in-a-lifetime cruise here. Once-in-a-lifetime... Probably not in the way that the people aboard were hoping. Uh, But those aboard, they're having a a terrific time as the ship set sail. And knowing how fast the ship was, an increasingly drunken William urged the increasingly drunken Captain Fitzstephen and his crew to really open her up. And so they did. The pissed up crew put their backs into it. The white ship cut through the waves at top speed, almost flying across the sea. But not actually flying. Of course, because if that had been the case, then they wouldn't have hit the submerged rock that ended up sinking the white ship just like that. The ship crashed into this rock while rounding a point on the French coastline. These days, there's a lighthouse there to warn sailors away from suffering the same fate as the white ship. And given the speed at which it was travelling, given the force with which it hit the rock, the ship very quickly foundered and sank. Now, initially, it looked like William might survive. He was shepherded onto a lifeboat very quickly by his more sober attendants, uh, who started to row him away from the wreck. But then William spotted his half-sister Matilda, number five, the one we've already covered for those playing along at home, uh, drowning near where the ship had gone down. And he ordered his men to turn the lifeboat around and rescue her. But as the boat got back to Matilda, as William dragged her aboard, this gave all the other passengers who were flailing away in the water an opportunity to grab onto and try to climb into the lifeboat as well. And too many of them managed to, and the lifeboat was not equal to the task. It sank below the waves as well, consigning William, Matilda, and everyone else to a watery grave. Well, actually not quite everyone, as we said before. While almost every single person aboard the white ship perished as it sank, uh, there was one survivor, a butcher from the Norman town of Ruin, named Berold. He clutched onto the rock that the ship had struck and was later rescued when people came to search for the white ship. Apparently, the only reason Beryl was on the ship in the first place was because some of the people on board owed him money and he didn't want to let them sail off without paying him for his bloody sausages. So poor old Beryl, because not only did he go through an incredibly traumatizing shipwreck, um, he also never got the money that was owed to him. So, yeah, poor old Beryl. Anyway, the white ship disaster was, as you might expect, a disaster, a total disaster. It completely upset all the uh, all the succession plans that Henry had laid out for his kingdom, uh, thanks to the death of his only heir. But it wasn't just William. A huge chunk had been taken out of the Anglo-Norman no- nobility with the sinking of the white ship, with noblemen and noblewomen of all stripes being taken by Poseidon. And one such noblewoman was a lady named, I don't even need to tell you at this point, do I? Of course her name was Matilda, Matilda number six, who just so happened to be the sister of that lucky diarrhea-stricken bloke who had left the white ship at the last moment. But the immediate tragedy of the white ship disaster would go on to be heavily outweighed in a historical sense by its longer-term consequences, as Henry never managed to produce another legitimate son. And so he nominated his daughter Matilda, Matilda number three in our story, Empress Matilda, as his heir. But this 
didn't really stick, as you might remember from the previous episode, because in 1135, Henry died. Um, According to the 12th century English historian Henry of Huntingdon, King Henry died after eating too many lampreys, which were considered a delicacy back then. Um, And as strange as it may seem that people ever thought slimy eel-like fish with sarlacc-like mouths were gourmet eating... Don't forget that this is England we're talking about, and England is a is a country famous for culinary offerings like black pudding, which is a sausage made by mixing pig's blood with oatmeal. So, yeah, lampreys don't seem so bad now, do they? In any case, after Henry gorged himself to death on mucus-covered jawless fish, his daughter Matilda was challenged for the English throne by her cousin, uh, another grandchild of William the Conqueror, who was, of course, I don't need to tell you, that bloke who departed the ship prematurely squirting like a country goose as he did so. That bloke, believe it or not, right, the bloke who left the white ship because of, the, because of this attack of diarrhoea that he got was none other than Stephen of Blois. After narrowly avoiding death on the white ship thanks to his overpowering need to spray paint the garter robe, 15 years later, Stephen was able to seize the very throne that the white ship helped to vacate. And this, of course, kicked off the anarchy as he and Matilda scrapped for the crown. And that is the story covered in the last episode, if you want to get across it. But the long and the short of it was that Stephen went on to rule England in name, at least, throughout the anarchy. He defended his claim from Henry's daughter Matilda and her son Henry until 1153, when uh, peace was finally negotiated and his rule confirmed, although only very briefly, because Stephen didn't really make the most of the peace deal that he made at the end of the anarchy, as he promptly died a uh, before even a year had passed. However... For that brief period, he was able to rule England in relative peace alongside his lady wife, the Queen of England, whose name was, for the seventh and final time today, Matilda. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 